Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. And before we jump into the really cool stuff that we're going to bring you today, we have a super important message for you. Did you hear that Brilliantly Resilient, the book is out in the world and it landed on the top 100 bestsellers list. That's where it debuted. We're so excited. Go get it at amazon.com. Search Brilliantly Resilient and you'll see it in Kindle and paperback. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. I'm Kristen Smedley here with my partner in crime, Mary Fran Bontempo, and we are stoked today. I don't know if people still say that word, but I do. So if my kids are listening, they are rolling their eyes because it's a little bit old and I don't care. (laughs) We are hanging out today with somebody. First of all, her name is so cool. Beat Chalette. Beat Chalette. Very good. You got it right on. How about that? I had to actually write it out phonetically. I'm not going to (laughs) lie and make sure I didn't butcher it because I am a girl that does not like a name to be butchered because people have given me all different kinds of versions of the name, Kristen. But here's the cool thing. The growth architect. That is that is what our guest today is known as. And I want to I want to introduce everybody into our our, um, episode here with this statement from our guest. Resilience is the audacity to never give up. With that, let's dive in. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I always say, if you don't know how to pronounce my name, just call me Beyonce. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this lady already. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> so let's hear, let's hear a little bit about this. First, define the growth architect for us and our listeners. It's, it is so, it's such a cool term. Tell us what it's all about. Yeah. So as the growth architect, I help visionaries and leaders to devise strategies, blueprint, and tools to make their impact. And I work with a lot of, um, you know, leaders and visionary, as I say, you know, they could be working for a corporation, they could be a team leader, they could be an entrepreneur, or they could be, you know, many times women that are being called to show up stronger in the organization that they're working in, and they are done with playing small. So I... My strength is strategy and optimal alignment, growth planning, process mapping. I actually really enjoy it. Like when you talk to me, my my brain immediately spits out a process, you know, and I'll go like, oh, that's really easy. So that's like one, two, three, four, five. And it's it's this is just my super skill. And it's helping people to get very clear about how do I get from oftentimes the mess or the confusion I'm in right now to map out and reverse engineer from the goal we've been setting. How do I get to this goal from where I am at? And that's, that's my specialty. That's what I do. I love love the fact that you, you talk about actual strategies because so often, um, you know, we, we get the cheerleading, we get the, Oh yeah, you can do it, but nobody tells us how. Like, how do I do it? (laughs) Somebody tell me how to do it. 
So the idea that there are there are actual strategies to get from one place to another. And the other thing that that I love is that you said that's your superpower. That's your brilliance. Like that's one of the things that we love here, that people when they say their mind naturally goes to a place and starts working on that, that's where your brilliance is. So so you're the after picture, but you weren't always the after picture. So I want to know a little bit about the before picture. And if this superpower of yours was something you always had and like just brought into the different phases of your life. Yes. Uh, I mean, it would be really great if the story is written. It was, uh, you know, the princess woke up one day and a lot of really great, great things. See, you can't even keep a straight face when I say this. Because you know where I'm going. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Don't even and and, and then there, one day yeah. somebody says, hey, would you like to be the queen? And then they handed her the crown. Um <laughs> That, yeah. <laughs> that works really great in any Disney movie, not even in Disney movies, but the story is really a lot, a lot richer and, and deeper and more challenging. Um, very much like probably a lot of your listeners, I, you know, I felt that I wasn't quite fitting into the regular mold or maybe I had a sense of grandeur as my mother accused me of. And I, you know, the middle-class thinking just wasn't right for me. I always... Always, I looked at planes flying somewhere else and I wondered where they would go until one day I went on a plane and immigrated to the United States. And it's my story started with, you know, really coming here very naive uh, in my early 20s and trying to find out who I was, what I wanted to do. I, I had been a photographer. I was a photo editor at Elle magazine. I had a great career, very, very young. I ran the photo department of Elle magazine, but that was already the the end in this particular profession because once you're a photo editor at a magazine, what other thing are you going to hmm. be? And and so I, I knew that I already had reached a dead end at 23. And so I came to the United States to figure out who I was. And I had learned at that time that when you're in a high powered position, people will do anything for you, but it is, has nothing to do with you. It has only to do with the position you hold and what you can do for them. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be liked and appreciated for who I was, not for what my position was. So I quit everything and I left. And then really starts a uh, a very hard road, a decade of bad luck that includes, you know, a, a, a horrible a marriage and a terrible divorce, fires, floods, riots, earthquake, a tsunami, September 11th, and the hits just kept on coming. And it wasn't like it was small things. These were complete sucker punch to your knees, out cold. How am I going to pay my bill? You know, at one point I moved into... Um, a, a place that was going into foreclosure until I, until I was literally evicted because I couldn't afford, you know, right after the divorce to live in a place that, you know, was more than like $800 because I was just trying to, to get myself back together. And so the story is resilience and that's when I, you know, when I had my defining moment, I'm just going to take you uh, through that really quick. So, so you have to imagine, you know, we, we, we now, every time I turn around, something else happens. So I lose half of my business in a, in a lawsuit against a bad employee 
who came up with an idea with a key vendor to run their own business, which was my business, just Mm -hmm. without me. Then September 11th comes and it wipes out in 24 hours, half a million dollars worth of production business. I mean, within 24 hours, you know, call after call after call. And while this, you know, it was a tragedy, you know, because we lost so many human uh, lives, but with that, a lot of other people lost their livelihoods in, mm-hmm. you know, in the aftermath of that. And so I, 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 f- I figured, you know, I have this great idea, but I'm $135,000 in debt at this time. And I don't know how I'm going to make it. I fly to Germany. My father has a stroke. My father didn't have a stroke. My father had pancreatic cancer. Mm. And so he dies within six weeks after this happened. And so I'm at this grave and I'm in Germany at this beautiful, beautiful place in Nether Bavaria, close to Austria, you know, with the lush mountains. And we are on this, on this, on this hill overlooking the whole valley in front of this Baroque church. And my father literally just has been buried and my phone rings and it's my off. And they say, we've just been served a notice. Now I'm being thrown out of the house on top of everything that's happened. Oh my goodness. And you know, and you talk always about uh, defining moments and, and what it activates you. And that's why I really tell the story is because at this point I fell on my knees. I raised my fist against God and I, I yelled at him. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, if you have a plan, this would be a really great time to fill me in right now because <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of not understanding the great, the, the, the great thought behind all of this, right? Both in there. <laughs> I mean, you go like, dude, what? seriously, what? Yeah. And then you surrender. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I bet that was your experience as well, because at that point you go, I have written every letter. I've done everything. I've turned every coin. I've, I've, I've done whatever I possibly could. You know, maybe it's time to call the bankruptcy attorney. And then I got back and I get a letter from the White House. Wow. That's a, <laughs> that's a jump. <laughs> Right. I mean, I bet you didn't see that one coming. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you did not see that one coming. No, we did not. (laughs) So, so I was so desperate that I had written a letter to the president of the United States because I was, you know, because nothing was, was working. And I did that because my former mother-in-law was such a pain in the rear and she just wouldn't stop talking about it. She said, you got to call, you got to write the president. It's your president too. It's the president of the United States. If anybody can help you, it's the president of the United States. Write the president, write the president, write the president. I'm like, fine, fine, fine. I'm going to write the president of the United States. So just so we don't have to talk about this anymore. <laughs> well, let me just tell you, my picture completely changed when I got a letter from the White House. <laughs> and so what that did, it put me in touch with a small business administration. And because the letter came from the White House, it put me in touch with the deputy chief director, not wow. some underling, the second in command. So I walked in with my business plan and with everything ready. And within three months, they were able to find me a bank that was restructuring my debt in a fixed 10-year loan that freed up my line of credit that get, brought me to break even three months later. So the difference between bankruptcy and break even was three months. That's wow. how close it was. That's incredible. Wow. 18 months, 18 months later, I'm the world leader in my category. And that's when a Bill Gates company comes and says, Hey, can you tell us how to do it? And <laughs> did you it, say it, 
did you say go to Germany, <laughs> look at the mountains and scream at God? <laughs> Step one. <laughs> Somewhere along the lines. Yes, I played a little cooler than that. I said, <laughs> uh, Mary and Kristen, I said, I said, if you want to know how I do it, you got to do what any decent woman would want. You got to pay me. For you. And for you. And so they said, well, how much do you want? And I said, I want millions. And so they said, fine. And so they paid me, <laughs> they paid me millions of dollars because they really wanted to know what I did and how I did it. And I wouldn't tell them. So they had to buy the whole company. And that is how I went from the worst moment of my life to becoming a multimillionaire and sold my business to Bill Gates in 18 months. Wow. This Holy is what God. I love. I love that because I wanted to dive a little into, into the word audacity resiliency, mm -hmm. you know, when you use the word audacity, being resilient, and that's, and you just explained the, the example, like having the audacity to believe that there was a different plan, and you were going to find it. And then the audacity to stand up for yourself and say, well, <laughs> if you want to know, it's going to cost you millions. Yeah, exactly. And I, and, and I think that the audacity piece, you know, just to break this down, maybe for your listeners a little bit more audacity, to not give up is a lot of people back down. Mm -hmm. I double down. So mm -hmm. um, when you when you are getting into these moments where it feels that you are just absolutely being buried under the crap that's piled on you, the adversity, and, and you go like, gee, can I have another, you know, could there possibly be another thing? And boom, there it is. And it's even bigger and worse than before. I truly believe that that God spirit, the universe, whatever you want to call that universal life force is that if you are here and you've been activated to really make an impact in this world, it's like you're being sent through this crazy crash course of, <laughs> of just shit that where you go like, it's just not normal that so much stuff would end up on one's person's plate. But when you look at it retroactively, and now that I see what I do, how much relatability the story has for so many people, because what I hear again and again, wow, if, if you could do that as a single mom, immigrant in a country that was, you're not young with no help, no money, having to figure this out on your own. And then you sold what your business to Bill Gates. Well, I guess there's hope for everyone. Well, yeah. So that is the story. So I don't think we can ever underestimate the power. And I know the both of you have great stories yourself, is that the power of what that story does in activating even more other people that then tie into that and, and hook on to the mother load and say, if she did it, I can do it. And that's why we tell our stories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I love the word audacity in there because for me, you know, having two blind kids, people, the whole world would have said, and many of them did, it's okay. You just stay on the couch and cry. Your life sucks. We get it. You don't want to get up and do anything. That's fine. Then going through a divorce. Oh, he's a nightmare. Everything is ruined. It's okay. You stay on the, like the world is ready to give us a pass. And so many people then tell themselves that, well, the whole world just got turned upside down by COVID. And all the businesses are closing. So I'm going to sit here and sulk and be mad too. But it's having that. I love the word audacity to say, wait a minute. 
that's not what I'm meant for. That's not what I'm here for. Yeah. I think you're making a great point, Kristen, because the, 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 the point really here is to say, you're not in charge how the story happens, but you certainly in charge how you will tell the story Mm. and how the story ends. And to me, you know, on whether it's that I didn't want my mother to be right, uh, on whether I wanted my to prove myself right, I think eventually all of this fades away because it, there comes a point where you don't need that anymore in your story, where it's not about, yeah, you know, the stories of your childhood, the abuse, the yelling, the screaming, the hitting, the uh, manipulation, the psychological terror, you know, and, and people have, have, have horrible stories that they have to overcome and cope with. But I will say that there comes a point where you have to make a hard decision in your life. Is this going to be the anchor that you're going to drag everywhere in your entire life? And it's the reason why your relationships fail, why you can't be happy, why you surrender to the the dark side. And you can use it as an excuse to fall into, as you said, the victim mode and stay there. Or you say, I'm not dragging that anchor around anymore. I'm going to cut that anchor. I don't even, I'm not even going to try to pull it up from the ocean floor. I don't even need to see if there's any algae or maybe some, some treasure on it. I'm just going to cut the cord and let that go. And I'm going to sail away because I, I don't need this anymore. And I think that is what adversity or the audacity to not give up about is, you know, this is happening. You know, this is real, you know, this is terrible, you know, it's hard. And then you get to the point and you say, okay, that's my life. That's it. It's just my life. So what am I going to do with that? Am I going to make this the reason why I cannot? Or am I going to take this and turn this into my power, my fuel that will prove everyone that you can? And that's the differentiation factor. I love everything that you're saying. And Kristen and I actually have a a very similar thought process. We, we tell people that they have to make the decision when they're in the middle of a crisis. Are you just visiting or are you going to live there? And, and it's, you know, it, 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 it's not, it's not um, denying the fact of what's going on. It's not minimizing it. I mean, as you said, people are, have gone through a lot of, of crap, but you can make the decision that that's not going to define the rest of the story that there's something there that you learn about. And I love the way you talked about doubling down because Mm. I have to tell you, there was a, there was a part eventually after I got, after I dragged myself off the floor, I don't know how many times after my, you know, my son's overdoses and all that stuff that I got mad. I was like, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm not, I'm not staying in this place anymore. And that's, I think where you get the strength to go okay, it happened. I'm putting it over there and I'm not taking it with me. I learned something, that part I'll take, but the rest of it can just, just stay. I don't need it anymore. And, and this reflection has a place, but only if it helps you to learn and move forward. And I think that's what you did, right? You, I mean, you took the lessons and you went, okay, well, that's what I got from that. So now what? Yes. I, 
I call it the three B's. First comes the breakdown, then comes the breakthrough, then comes the breakout. So you have to sometimes um, really get cognizant of what you're doing is not working. And I think that's where a lot of unnecessary suffering is coming from is the proof is in the pudding. If you're not happy, if you're depressed, if you're struggling, whatever that might be, it, it, whatever you do is, is not working. So if you don't change anything about the trajectory of where you're going, you're going to continue to compound the problem. So I see this with sometimes with my daughter. My daughter is the queen of double negative talk. You know, so she'll go like, well, I don't want to help people that are just going to not wanting to do that. I said, well, that's kind of self-explanatory. So then if we, if we would, if we would flip it, what would you say? Would you say, I want to help people that want to learn something? Hmm. So the, the, I think sometimes we just don't recognize on how programmed we are. And a lot of it is also the media and how we are, uh, how we are digesting news or what's coming to us because it's always in the double negative. Here's the one thing the IRS doesn't want you to know. Here are five things that happened under the ex administration that are going to threaten your well-being, right? So it's, it's constantly these messages of that there's someone somewhere that's having some secret agenda against you. And so yeah. you're running through life in this suspicious way. And what it, ha- what, does it, what it does in an energetic and mindset perspective, as you very well know, you just attract more of it because you keep getting sucked into this vortex of negativity. So if you don't have the results that you want to have, then you, the first thing, please turn off the TV and, uh, and, and get off whatever news feed you are on and start to really think about what is the information that I really want to put into my head? Because people are making money. People are overcoming obstacles. There are people that have taken their different abilities and their challenges and turned it into multi-million dollar businesses that help so many other people to live better and richer lives and experiences. So the story, you are responsible for how you tell your story. Yeah. And yeah. I, I really firmly believe that. You're, you're bringing up a point that is part of our brilliant and resilient process. By the way, I love your three Bs. We have reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance. We have the Rs, you have the Bs, this is wonderful. <laughs> But, um, uh, you know, one of the things in our process is, especially after the past couple of, well, now I feel like it's a couple of years. I used to say a couple of months. Everybody seems to focus and your point to the media and everywhere else, the messages seem to be what we can't do. We can't do this because that we can't do that. And our part of our process is, but what can you do? Let's make a list of, let's get at least one thing that you can do. And one of the, the case in point to that, when my oldest son came home from college in the lockdown, He was furious at first that he wasn't at his dream campus of Penn State, having the independent life he always wanted. And then, and he was miserable for a couple of weeks. And me and my daughter were like, dude, you got to stop. Like you're bringing everybody down. I tried the first couple of weeks to say, I get it. You know, dreams are crushed, but it won't be that long. Then it was longer and longer. And it was so many can'ts, but the whole world was talking about all the can'ts. We can't be on campus. We can't have this. So I finally said, what is one thing that you can do that's productive because I can't take it anymore? Of course, my son doesn't just like 
do one little thing. He started this podcast with a friend of his, and then it, it, it got really big and he got a radio show out of it when school did reopen. But just to that simple, and even my daughter, who's so used to being around me where we're trying to flip the thing of what we can do. She was so funny. She's like, wow, you're really dragging the world down, Michael. <laughs> just stop with the camps. <laughs> But his, he was texting with his friends. He was on social media and everybody was consumed by can't, you know, instead of that one, what can you do? This, this reminds me of something that you say in, uh, it says on your website about refusing to drown in a puddle. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, what, what's the point? It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to trip and fall in a puddle and I'm going to drown. I mean, please make it the ocean. At least it's worth it if I'm drowning. <sighs> I mean, there, you know, and it, People you know, make if their I would, own puddles, right? Please, I mean, like please. Like Kristen's saying, they make their own puddles. Yeah. I mean, don't declare bankruptcy of a $10,000, make it at least 250,000. At least it's worth it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, and if you're going to give up over something, make it at least be, be something that's worthwhile to give up, to give up over. But the, this is, you know, tying back, uh, Kristen in the audacity piece, I think that the courage, right. Um, I heard Maria Shriver uh, speak once and she said, if you don't feel fear, you don't need courage. So Hmm. I think it's such a brilliant reminder to tell, to remind ourselves to say, if I wasn't afraid, if I, if I, if I didn't have that (gasps) moment, you know, where sometimes you go, shit, I can't do that. Right. Um, where you really feel that grip of this is so outside of my comfort zone. Well, that's what you have courage for. And, and, and being brave or being resilient is determined not by how you fall. Everybody falls. And a lot of people get bruised. You're determined by how you get back up. And that's the story. That's the richness. I think the experience, it's almost like sometimes I feel bad for people that have not experienced adversity because they really don't understand the richness of the human condition, the experience that we are all in here together to say how much power we have to influence how we view something as an opportunity or as a downfall, how we have, um, how joy and happiness is really a decision that you make. And then you learn how people that have that joy and that glow, how they do that. And I was on a, uh, you know, I do a lot of mindset work and I was asked to do, um, to be part of the case study and share my experience that I have with this particular mindset trainer. And, you know, as I was watching everyone else and I, I came on, I said, I just want you to see how people that have mastered this process, they have this just glow, Mm -hmm. this, this just inner I mean, it's, it's, it's irresistible, right? It's just this crazy positive energy and, and, and they're just so present and so beautiful. And they tell stories where you go, I don't even know how they got through all of this, but they activated this, this muscle of resilience, you know, which is what the both of you always talk about and say, I will not be defined by this. Mm-hmm. I define what my circumstances are going to be. I'm in charge. And that is the power, you know, and that's why I want to come on your podcast because I love that. And I want people to listen to this and go, 
Well, if she did it, I can do it. Yes, you can. Awesome. I don't know how many of us are going to be selling our companies to Bill Gates. However, it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Well made. I think it's very well made because I think the idea is, you know, we, we talk all the time about not being married to an outcome when you, you know, you start on this path. And sometimes we start things. And, and the truth of the matter is we don't know how things are going to turn out. So it's so important to bring that best self, that, that audacity to it and just go, hey, I don't really know what's going to happen here, but I'm going to give this everything I've got and we're going to see where it goes. And then you play it out that way. And it, it just leads to, as you said, so much richness. If you can be open to what the universe is going to bring you and not define yourself as that victim and just be willing to have that sense of audacity and go, hey, bring it. Let's see what we're going to do next. Yes, you're absolutely correct. And I think, you know, also a good reminder is the first time your heart was broken, you thought the world was going to end and you'll never recover. Uh, the second and third and the fourth and the fifth time, you kind of go like, well, there's a lot of frogs out there. <laughs> <laughs> Until you finally kiss one and you go, oh my God, he turned into a prince or a princess. And, and then you realize that it's, not everything is meant to be for you. You still have choice and that you do have to go through life and, and determine what is good enough for you and perhaps what are you tolerating hmm. that is not, not adequate enough for where you're supposed to go. I spoke to my girlfriend yesterday and she said, well, I just turned 55 and now I realize that this relationship I have is just not worthy of me. He's going through a divorce. It's messy. His dog ate my earrings, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of stuff. She's like, it's like, it's just like stuff that I really don't want to deal with at this point in my life anymore. That's like all college, college <laughs> stuff, right? The wild, crazy guy, whatever, with the motorcycle and the crazy dog. And so, I said, my God, I said, you sound really grown up. I said, but you have to remember that if you want the Porsche to come in or whatever Tesla, whatever car that might be for you, you kind of can't occupy the premium space with some dingy Toyota, nothing against Toyotas, obviously. But, you know, if, if, if you have a car that's broken down sitting in the parking spot, nothing else can park there. So you got to tow that thing away so you make room for it. And I think oftentimes... And I don't know, uh, Mary Fran and Kristen, how you, how, what your experience is with that. I think a lot of times people are so attached to holding on to things that really don't work uh, because they're afraid that nothing else will come in and then they occupy the spot and nothing else can come in. Oh, trust me. I had the dingy Toyota for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so mad when the Toyota finally clunked itself out of here that I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, I was supposed to have the 50th wedding anniversary. I was supposed to, I had my checklist and I yeah. wanted to continue on that checklist, even though everyone in the universe associated with that clunky Toyota wanted the vehicle gone. <laughs> And then, and then uh, it's been, it's been so much nicer since, but yeah, to that point of, I, I was like, why am I hanging on to this? Like Mary Fran always says that outcome that I decided all those years ago, when this just isn't healthy for anybody. 
It's like, you just yeah. get stuck like, well, I'm in my forties and oh my gosh, I had these plans. Well, now who knows what's coming. There's always a, there's always a reason to not move forward. We have to look for the reasons to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think you, you, you made a very good point. And maybe that's a, a warrants like spending a couple more minutes on that is that the path, how you get there is not up to you mm-hmm. like at all, because when, if what you would do would work so well, then even I, as the growth architect, I could get you strategies and you'll be just hitting the markers and you'll just, just marching, marching to a strategy determines an outcome and it determines objectives along the line on how you're going to get there. It's a framework. It's like a blueprint. That's why I call it a blueprint, but how you furnish that house once it's built, mm. that's your individual choice. You, you know, the colors, the decoration, we just establishing the blueprint. You still have all these other decisions to make on what you want that to look like when you're ready to move in. But a lot of it, you don't know yet because you don't see how the light falls through the windows. You know, you have to make the decision of the floor before you can get the furniture. You have to decide the walls before you do the decorative pillows. I mean, there's so many micro decisions. And then what happens is that out of seemingly nowhere, an opportunity comes and it shows up as a challenge. Hmm. And you go, wait, what? Is this an opportunity or is this a challenge? And so when you step into this, you know, I I give you an example. So um, I love working with creatives because I'm a creative at heart. I have a photography degree and I like the personality of people that are a little unruly and don't quite fit in. I mean, that's kind of my specialty, you know, the, the, the more quirky and unusual and unique, the better. And I had a contact that I've been in touch with for a couple of years and he lost his job and then he found another job and that didn't work so well. And, you know, we were talking and, and he just kind of became a friend, but I didn't expect much. And I said to him, you know what, you're going to be fine. Just wait. You're going to land your dream job. It's going to be better than anything you ever have. He calls me and he says, I have landed at a major orchestra in California. And now I'm in charge of it. And would you come in and do a gig for us? And so out of seemingly nowhere, my dream job shows up and I'm standing in in front of a world-renowned orchestra, helping them to understand diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. You know, again, visionaries making an impact by understanding what it is that they are bringing to the world because I truly believe that music is going to bring people back together now because we haven't had any joint experiences and we have had no sensory experiences. So now as they go out and they play again, we're going to see a whole different uh, weight on artists and creativity to help to bring the world back together. So I made a whole program around that. And it was so powerful to me and so humbling to be there. And afterward, people came and they were almost surprised. I said, I feel uplifted and inspired. I said, well, that was the whole point of you. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't supposed to be a dreadful experience. So (laughs) 
But the point is opportunity often shows up as a challenge where you go, I've never done this before. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, this is much bigger than I thought it's going to be, but it's exactly aligned with what I want to do. Figure it out. Love it. Yes, that's how Brewing and Resilient has evolved. Figuring yeah. it out and it wasn't, didn't, doesn't look anything like it started. <laughs> no, and that is the exact truth. We have so enjoyed this conversation. I feel like we could talk to you for the rest of the day and not run out of wonderful things to say and wisdom for our listeners, but tell everybody where they can find you so they can get more of, of your amazing wisdom. Yes. So number one, you can reach out to me directly. So if you've heard or seen something that uh, inspires you, reach out to me at uh, with my email and we put it in the show notes. It's bc at beatchalette.com. Uh, also, I want to give a shout out to my awesome hostesses. Wow. And uh, if you love this, please do subscribe to their podcast, Brilliantly Resilient, and leave a comment and notes and a five-star review because they deserve it. You know, that's what we live for. We don't get paid for this. We do this because we want to inspire other people. And if you are an entrepreneur, a business owner, you can go to airtightavatar.com. And that is my free masterclass on how every business owner needs to start, which is figuring out who is this person that you are going to sell your stuff to? Because without that, nothing works. And um, other than that, you know, just look up my website, beatachalette.com or thegrowtharchitect.xyz. That might be easier versus my spelling. And don't be a stranger. Look me up on social media and let's, uh, let's start a conversation. I love it. I love it. I, this has been absolutely extraordinary and refueling my energy tank to keep going with our, our purposes in this world and having the audacity to be resilient. I love it. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here. Everybody go check her out. Definitely connect on social media. And if you need more strategies to reset your mindset, or if you're in the rise piece and need to figure out how to take that one action step, go to brilliantlyresilient.net. We have all kinds of resources there for you. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.